welcome to No Cartridge Drive-In. I'm Olivia Broussard. And I, the, the movie that we have selected for your viewing and listening pleasure today is The, the Curse of Kazuo Omezu, um, which was directed by the only directing uh, credit for Naoko Omi. Uh, in 1990, and it is based off of two shorts by a uh, famous horror manga artist, Kazuo Umez. Um, and I am most familiar with The Drifting Classroom, but also um, famous for Cat-Eyed Boy. Cat-Eyed Boy, interestingly, does also have a, um, I think, a live-action film adaptation, um, which is also... I didn't realize he did Cat-Eyed Boy. That's interesting. Yeah, we we watched this on YouTube as well. So, you know, this is also one that you can view can and should view on on youtube i don't want to i don't want to make the claim that this will become a series regular thing but it is very <laughs> nice when it happens um and that one is on youtube as well but does not have english subtitles from what i can gather um mm. which is a problem for me maybe not a problem for everyone in the audience but uh if you happen to know japanese i do not know or japanese. you are just very good at putting together impressionistic understandings of the world <laughs> um you you may like it uh I, I expect that's available elsewhere with subtitles. That's a fairly well-known piece, but I could be wrong. Well, um, whenever I looked at it on Letterboxd, too, it only had two reviews, and I was like, uh, hmm, I wonder why this only has two reviews. Um, this one has a lot of reviews on Letterboxd. I went on Letterboxd, and I looked at the reviews. One of them was yours. Oh, <laughs> I bet it was. It was. It was. It was. Um <laughs> But I, I was I was very surprised by this, part, partly because I was telling Liv that before we started, um, I was partly surprised because, like a, uh, a a total genius, I did not put together that this was saying that, that it was like actual stories inspired by the author of The Drifting Classroom, uh, Kazuo Umetz. Like, it, uh, it absolutely uh, went right over my head. So when Liv said she was looking back at the drifting classroom before the podcast, I was like, Oh cool. Definitely. Like, yeah. Getting ourselves acquainted with some, like some manga horror seems like a good idea. <laughs> Not understanding there's a connection. Here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was based off of two of his stories, but I, I'm not sure where those stories are coming from because he hasn't right. written anything um, since like, uh, 1990 like about the time that this was released has not written anything new um so i'm not sure if they're they're older works just because like the drifting classroom is like what i'm most familiar with and it's from the the 70s whereas this like came out in 1990 but does have um a very turn of the 1990s uh <laughs> sensibility yes, to it 100 <laughs> percent, yeah there there's also like i i looking back at at umatsu before we started like there's a you know, he had a his first movie or the first movie made out of his work was uh, from 1968, um, and then his directorial debut was in 2004 with the autobiographical Mother, which I thought was like a very interesting sort of like long durée film career from inspiration to director. Um, but it, it's very possible that these are coming out like from like his stuff in the 60s because it does have a 90s feel in terms of the animation and the sort of aesthetic it's it's projecting as an OVA. Um, but I would say like, you could absolutely argue that these are 60 stories, like with the, you know, the way, the way the families are, the way the sort of like 
setups in their rooms are and stuff. It's not like it is very sort of stay it in the way that like 60s fiction can often be. Yeah, I I think that it also has the 60s feel to it in that it feels like Scooby-Doo at times like <laughs> yeah well, especially in the second one yeah right? like yeah so like we mentioned there's there's two shorts and the first one is what will the video camera reveal and the second being the haunted mansion and so like this haunted mansion one definitely does have uh, a scooby-doo feel to it also in that like it has like these you know lovely painted backgrounds and uh, uh, animation is a is a strong word for what's going on here. <laughs> There's certainly uh, a series of illustrations that are changing. Um, yeah, and at a lot of times, like there are moments where it's lovingly animated. Like, in what will the video camera show? Like the the transformation that our main character makes towards the end. Um, it, I feel is like very well animated. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like watching that, looking at that. But there is absolutely it's clear that this is a thing that played with sort of like the limits of its funding and that like a lot of times single images are lovingly, you know, held for a good minute pan across the thing. Yeah. While someone is giving some, some, some dialogue, which is not to say it doesn't take away from the the value of the, of the piece, but like definitely is not like, don't go into it thinking you're going to watch like crisp animation every five oh, No, I thought it added to the piece. I, I oh, you thought it added? Okay, go on. No, I, I loved it. Um, but let's let's start sequentially. Um, yes, definitely. So the the first of the two short films. So this whole thing is only like 45 minutes long. So it's they're each about 20 minutes. Um, but it opens with this like introduction to to what you're about to see. Um, Love the introduction. Yeah, almost like uh, like a classic horror film introduction, like a la like uh, Vampira or Elvira, or just like something to, you know, have in between these like horror shorts. But the character that's introducing you to these movies looks like it's like Sandman or like the crow. Like it is like very like nineties <laughs> goth. Like I just, I loved it. Yeah. It looked, it, it, it reminded me of sort of like if, um, if like the ring had come out in, um, in like the early nineties and had the same kind of like counterculture effect as the Sandman or the crow, like the kind of, the kind of just like terrifying pale ghost, but at the same point, just like rocking a really sort of like cool disaffected look. I liked it a lot. Um, if you told me it was supposed to be, uh, Umatsu, um, in character, I, I don't know if I would believe he was an old man at this point, but maybe. No, he. Um, have you, case, it's a very cool guy. Have you seen what he looks like? No, but I was going to say if you <laughs> told me that was true, I would believe. You. No, he he dresses like Waldo from Where's Waldo fame. He's like oh, so like a perfect person. Yes, he's he's a very sweet looking person, which I think um, you know is interesting for for a horror artist. But I guess it's similar to that, like uh, you know, probably the person who's most famously um, and influenced by umez is is junji ito who also is just like a very sweet persona um so i like that these are kind of like the two two figureheads of manga horror it's pretty interesting like i i you know it's i think what's kind of fascinating about this piece and we can we can uh we can get back to the sequential look in a second but like i was listening to friend of the show uh sean Sean mcjernan's podcast um 
Live at the Death Factory a while. It's it's on hiatus, but I was going back through old episodes and listening through one on Eriguro. And like the sort of tradition of like the erotic grotesque in Japanese work really is is important. But like I would say that both like the floating classroom and, and this then this film and most of um uh yeah, most of like most of uh why did I just forget? Oh, Ito's um work are like not particularly that like there's not there's not a lot of eroticism there's grotesque but it is so it is much more of like the kind of like you know there there's a reveal there are several like violent reveals in these but beyond the reveals these are set up like fairly typical ghost stories Mm -hmm. in a really really endearing and and and, like enjoyable way well maybe it's two that these are like the two figureheads for me because they more closely align with like western expectations of horror um that's really and the, and the narrative i mean they're, they're the figureheads for me too i i don't think you're not alone in that i don't think yeah but but that makes that's really interesting. that makes sense to me i don't want to uh assert that there's no eroticism to to these stories though either there's some <laughs> it's, it's there's some i mean listen Let's let's not let's not let's not say there aren't any undertones. Certainly in this first story uh, that are going on, like what what could possibly be happening? Um, on that note, uh, yeah. So what will the video camera reveal? Um, I feel like you can probably guess kind of like what kind of story this is uh, going for just from the title. But like mm-hmm. uh, both of these stories focus on teenage girls. Um, and in the the first one, it, it opens with like a very uh, kind of like sparse, like classroom scene. Um, but like our main character um, is sitting in class. And then there's a new girl in class who is just transferring back to Japan from Mexico. And she's just like the most beautiful girl that she's ever seen. And of course, um, our main character immediately starts having like a mental breakdown at how beautiful (laughs) this girl is. Um, Listen, it happens. It's hard being a teen. (laughs) And she gets so upset whenever the girl makes eye contact with her because something very mysterious has happened um, that she shoots her with electricity through the eyes um just by just at a glance um and then starts to to have changes to her body after this electric look from the hot new girl in class (laughs) you know what i really related with this character a lot um having uh, met several vampires that are similar to this uh this arena that moves into the class um, women, women are vampires. I agree. I watched half of this and then stopped. It was, it was it different. In the end? <laughs> <laughs> I do like that, that you like, you think you, you know, where this story is going, that it's like, there's, you know, so many lesbian vampire stories, um, from the seventies, especially like in Euro horror and stuff like that. But, uh, you think that's, I mean, it, they, they never say that they're, lesbians or anything like that but we know we with (laughs) i would say that yeah i would say it's pretty heavy on the subtext like even even the point where so like she she thinks like you know she she keeps waking up with this like hole in her neck or this this scar on her neck that is bleeding um and most everyone just says like that's nothing but um uh she's convinced that it's rena the new girl coming in at night uh, and that she's a vampire and then she's stealing some sort of power or blood or essence from her because she's constantly weak around her right but like even the point 
where, you know, obviously all the stuff at the beginning where she's like, wow, she looks at me and electricity runs through me. I guess she's a demon. And like, we're, we're just like, oh, oh no. Um, <laughs> Been there. Like the, yeah. Listen. <laughs> but like the, um, like the, the point where she, she invites her friend over and she's like, listen, like you're the only person I can tell she's a vampire. And he's like, okay, look, we'll set up a video camera and make sure that uh, it, it'll see everything. Like, don't worry. We'll, we'll videotape her coming in. She's a vampire. We'll see. And he watches the videotape cause she can't bear to, and she says, something's going to be on that videotape that I can't tell anyone. Um, and he also is horrified and says like, you need to watch this by yourself. And all of that feels very, very lesbian subtext mm-hmm. to me, like very like, like queer subtext where it's like, this is like, you know, the most horrible thing that you can't reveal. And that's how she feels about it because it's like this secret even to herself. Um, now is what's on the tape, a, uh, a vampiric embrace, uh, turns out no. <laughs> um, I do like that. This starts with, um, something that feels like almost like documentary, like in nature that it's just like this, this very like dry, um, not very like sensual, like despite, you know, like this girl being like, you know, there's like a hole in my neck and, uh, and like seeing that lesbian subtext. Um, but I feel kind of like even over, even though it's like only over 20 minutes that it feels like a slow burn and that like, it takes a while to get going. Yes. Um, 100%. Yes. Especially it takes its time. Yeah. Especially visually. But I feel like whenever you get to these like nighttime scenes, which I love whenever stories are set up like that, like it's kind of like boring during the day, but then at night there's like these like huge big changes, <laughs> but like yes. it changes from like this, like very, uh, just like rote style to like whenever you actually see like the pleasure of animation come out, like there's actual like joy and mm-hmm. like the colors being used and the textures being used um, and, and quite spooky. Very spooky. Like, and honestly, like the, the, the thing it reminds me of in, in terms of just like build up and then execution of a very shocking event is, um, and this may be a weird connection to be made, but like it reminds me a lot of the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. which like the first time I saw it, I kept psyching myself up thinking it was going to be scary. And then like in the, in the actual thing, because I was pretty young, like I saw it in theaters and like when the reveal at the end happens, you see the person like facing the corner of the basement. I was like so totally horrified because I've been psyching myself out for all the fake up fake ones. Um and this isn't a thing where you psych yourself out for fake scares or anything, but like it is a thing where you're given a fairly, as you say, like dry, uh, again, like, yeah, almost documentarian approach to this this problem that this girl is having. And then within the night, you get these flashes of terror, and the actual reveal at the end is just like, like it far more than you would have expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's or at least I did. I mean, far more than I expected. Based off of what I had seen so far, just with like these like very bug-eyed girls like very 1990s anime um and like based off of what it looked like i was surprised at how uh visceral it got and i would say almost uh i mean not almost erotic it was erotic it was like very horror erotic but uh well yeah so we should probably just say what it was real quick (laughs) Um, 
in, in case you're wondering, uh, and in case you haven't turned it off and thinking like, oh, I don't want any spoilers, uh, in the last five minutes where we've been talking around it, uh, this is where you'd probably want to turn it off for spoilers. But the um, the, the spoiler here is that uh, it is not uh, uh, Rima coming into her room. It is, in fact, um, she, uh, our, our protagonist, has um, a little mouth that comes out of her neck and then becomes a giant mouth. And, uh, and her head flaps to the back and she stalks the night. Um, and we find out, and she says, oh my God, it was me the whole time. And uh, we find out that she has been uh, going to this supposed vampire's house and stealing her beauty from her mm-hmm. um, as a horrifying flesh monster with like a giant mouth for a head. And no one can stop her. There's people there. They cannot stop her. She is no. voracious. <laughs> She's only identified by her fear of spiders. Her, her <laughs> friend is there. He's like, wait, that might be Mitsumi. Like, well, someone throws spiders at her. <laughs> he throws spiders. He's like, oh my god, the monster's afraid of spiders. It's her. <laughs> Incredible. Excellent. Perfect. Perfect guy logic moment. I am absolutely with this guy. That is how I would have handled it, King. I love you for it. Uh, yeah, just incredible. Like the way that um, really both of these shorts deconstruct the body and not in like a I don't know in a way that I find very relatable like it does um Mm. feel like being a teenage girl like the um just pure terror of being in the body of a teenage girl um and and the the deconstruction both like the the uh, the huge gap between your physical body and the mind that is living inside it um as well as like the fractured view of the body that you see in in media it feels very appropriate for 1990 that both of these um focus so much on on deconstructing the body or or contorting the body in in different ways yeah and i agree i think that's a really really good point and like even the sort of like climax of the story where you know, we get the I mean, it's deeply sexualized, deeply erotic sort of devouring of the other girl's beauty where the uh, like a proboscis is shoved down her throat. And then she like consumes her by basically like swallowing her head, but then like embracing her and like becoming her. Mm-hmm. And like the sort of like consumption is, is such like a feeling of like, I wish I could consume someone else's body as a such a teenage way of thinking about this kind of thing. Yeah. Especially when, um, I don't know that that consumption as a teenage girl is something that's like viewed as, I feel like it's a very like transgressive act to show consumption as a teenage girl, because there's so much control over what, uh, what a girl is allowed in her body as a teenager. Um, you know, both, both sexual, but you know, in terms of like eating too, that that's like a very, um, psychological act for a girl to to be eating something that she is not supposed to because there is a lot of control put mm-hmm. on teenage girls and and what they eat well i mean that's how the second short starts too with the two teenage girls watching horror and then the the one goes to the bathroom the other one looks at it and she goes oh i think we let ourselves go a little too much <laughs> like it's sort of like self-policing after the fact um yeah right yeah like yeah, it, yeah well 
Absolutely. I I definitely want to get to that because uh, truly, truly brilliant. Um, But yeah, that's kind of like the final final scene of the first short is just kind of like a a pan out, a zooming out of um, this one monster girl gyrating on top of the other girl while she's consuming her. Well, then she also she also makes her friend commit suicide because he's the only other person who knows about her horrible monstrosity, which is a strange so it should have just been the gyrating, I think. But mm. I mean, it's nice that they 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 um, cross that T <laughs> at the end. Um, wait, wait, wait. But there's one more. Um, the like mini cartoon that's after it that has like. <laughs> oh, that's great! I love the mini. Car- I love it. The 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 in between where she's like chasing them and it's goofy. Yeah, it's like a very um cartoony um interstitial. Uh- <laughs> It also goes to your point about like the the animation being a, a, a real choice. I mean, it could have been a budgetary choice. I don't know, but like, it's absolutely like an artistic choice in effect. Which is that like that animation's super sharp and fun. Like the cartoony mm-hmm. one, like they definitely understand animation. This is a group of people who are very talented. Like the choice to make certain scenes more static than others is like something that is. You, know, you see it in the reviews where people are like, is this as good as modern anime? No. But like, it's not really the point. The point is like they're making this particular choice and representing it in a very particular way. Um, and I think like to, 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 I agree with you to like really, really solid effect in, in ways that I really wasn't thinking about. Yeah. I, I like being able to sit with images for longer, um, especially there's so many, mm-hmm. <laughs> so many times that you're allowed to sit with just like this, these girls faces like contorted in terror and just, just sitting there, like looking at them, just their faces shaped so unnaturally and, and, being forced to gaze upon them as they gaze upon you. It just feels right. It does. No. Yeah. It's, it is a it, like both of these stories are really stories about like, I mean, especially the first one, but like the, the second one as well in a lot of ways um, is a story about like being the beholder of something, um, seeing something that you're like not supposed to see, like, especially in terms of like the way that that first story is constructed where like, you know, like so many horror stories, the, the object um, that you're never supposed to see or you can't see until the very end is withheld from you for so long, which is the the thing on the videotape, right? Um, like being the beholder is such an important part of that. Yeah. I think it's, it's so surprising too that based off of like other aspects of this that it was so surprising what actually happens because you're just like well (laughs) obviously you're not going to see the the pretty girl on the videotape because she's a vampire it's just so obvious that's what i thought would happen yeah (laughs) they they set you up with like the like the 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 real dumb guy approach where you're just like i've seen this movie (laughs) you can't see a vampire on a videotape (laughs) it's like why would you think that's true (laughs) It, it it really yeah it traps you in the it the way it's presented and the way it's it's performed, it really like get you in the mindset of the protagonist. Like you don't think like, oh, she's being silly at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like you're very defensive of her position position to the point that you kind of blind yourself to other elements of what's going on. I I'm wondering or I do. <laughs> I'm wondering now that like that we're talking about it too is like how many 
how many things really happened before this where there was like a, a videotape, a cursed video? Um, and because that that's so that's such a common thing in horror media now. But in 1990, not necessarily. There was no like fountain footage then. There wasn't any ring in 1990. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, honestly, it's like it, it's now I feel like most of like the cursed objects were things like would be things like books right or like information or something that that like that that dyad of like having something given to you and also like it takes of you that a videotape has is something that i think is like super specific to that moment in time Mm -hmm. and and onward i guess yeah i'm currently uh not remembering anything before this uh that even had like a camcorder or anything in it that i you know there's only so many years before this where it could have happened (laughs) yeah yeah i I mean honestly i'm i'm also having kind of a hard time thinking of any like even any i guess probably there were some with photographs i guess the texas chainsaw massacre used photographs a lot like that was kind of part of its horror Mm -hmm. that like um but that's more just like about capturing. It's not about conveyance to the viewer as well. So I, it, it, it works. It, it hits a little different as the kids might say. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this might be one of the first things I can think of, if not the first thing I can think of. Anyway. That's super interesting. Good point. Uh, yeah, it was great. I, I loved the, the first short. I thought it was super cool and um, showed me things that I've somehow not seen before. And I think that there's something, too, about um, like the weird animation style that it does feel novel to me, just because I've seen so many horror movies at this point and mm-hmm. um, seen so many so many series of images that to see them in this like uh, kind of like stilted uh delayed format um where it's like it is changing it is animated but but not frame by frame um or you know like not smooth uh smooth movement between frames is is novel that i appreciated it that there is still uh rocks left unturned in horror for me i agree and i think like for me too and i think like one of the things that's super compelling about that is you know i i don't think it's his fault because i i think he's very interesting but like you know people will complain about there being so much uh horror manga out there not just by jinji ito right and they'll you know listing the floating classroom within this as well as like something that's very not ito um but like what i think is sort of interesting is looking at some of the more like grotesque like body horror that you can see in anime and thinking out like thinking outside of sort of the the way the things ito is like super fixated on like layering and um repeat repetition like spirals and things like that mm-hmm. um like this is a totally different animal like this feels different when this reveal happens and actually like the sort of like more sort of openly grotesque uh violence in the second short as well like none of this feels exactly like something you'd see when someone was like oh look at these creepy images from a manga right like it 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 helps remind that like there is like a much broader tradition there than that we're that we're you know necessarily seeing on first glance Mm -hmm. i think too like it's it's different than like ito for me who i am the most familiar with from um horror manga but that those don't really follow 
um, just like a, a strict narrative that there's a that like chapter by chapter it's like it's related and it might be sequential but not like directly that it's um, you know it's a little bit fuzzier about what's going on where these follow like a very uh, distinct story and like from what I've read of the drifting classroom it's similar mm, yeah yeah definitely and like I think the again the focus on, on kids in the drifting classroom and the ways that like that both limits and intensifies terror is like I mean that that speaks more to what we're seeing here where like the the kind of naivete of the characters is used to heighten things as opposed to like just hiding them. oh absolutely like you feel for the girl because like she's just in pure terror the whole time and then it's it's her and she's <laughs> she's so upset but she's so hungry too <laughs> yeah right oh she just noticed she's getting more pretty like <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know like what are you gonna do like it's it's working uh I also like, I think it's, I think it's also like a nice, and we could, I guess we should probably vote on the second one because we're at 30, but like, you know, it's also a nice, I'll let you get last word after this. Like, it's a nice way of thinking about, you know, like that story of, um, you know, like, like, uh, like a lesbian coming out story, but like, not in terms of the, the kind of maybe rote ways that you expect when you hear like, oh, well, like. Even, even like the observation I had earlier, I was like, oh yeah, she says she might not be able to tell anyone about what she sees in the videotape. And it's like, yeah, okay. It's like, it's like same sex eroticism. It's like the terrifying her, but also intriguing her. It's that dyad. And then it's like, well, no, it's actually something like way different. It, it's not unrelated, but like it's, it's something that's horrifying also in a very visceral and not at all um, unappealing to her, but also equally like horrifying way. Right. And so like it, it kind of throws that expectation on its head too. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I really loved this one. And like, it's hard for me to like fully figure out what I don't think is like problematic about, like, you know, like a, just another story about like, Oh, you know, our girls are just jealous of other girls and they don't want other girls to like have anything for them. But I don't think it's about that so much as like about the terror of wanting to be good so bad and finding out that you're bad. Like that, um, yeah. that, that coming to terms with that everyone has has things that they're they're not proud of that they don't want to that they don't find defensible about themselves so yeah i think you're right i think like and if you think back to like the people who say that she's jealous right like it's her friend who sets up the video camera and we're supposed to sort of be like well that's not the point and then her friend who she's like wow you certainly take a shine to riku like you must really hate her because she's pretty huh and you're like, no, that's not it. <laughs> like, even when she's like asking for her, like stealing her beauty and devouring her, she's saying like, give me your beauty, give me your beauty, give me your beauty, which is like, it's, it's like, as we said before, it's like consumption and attraction desire. It's not necessarily like jealousy. So mm-hmm. to speak. it's like, it feels like it feels different. And also that like the, what we're being built up to is like her finding out about herself and not us finding right. about right finding out about her yeah that's a super good point actually because we it feels like we're like we're centered until she watches that videotape and then it's about her discovery mm-hmm. that's yeah that's you're absolutely right that's really smart oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> said, said as if i've never said that in my life to you. <laughs> it's 
noise. It's like, well, that was dumb. All right, fine. Move it on. (laughs) Anyway. Anywho. Uh, So the next story, the haunted mansion, Um, as we mentioned before. I get the feeling this one will be a little bit easier to get through. I feel like this is a little less complicated, but maybe I'm wrong. It didn't uh, hit. It is close to home for me, for one thing. Um, but like you mentioned before, that it opens up with like these girls watching this movie, and it it is a like I was talking about the that the these movies were introduced to us by a character that they're watching a vampire um, film on, on yeah. TV, and what they're watching is this movie. They're watching the same movie that we're watching. I don't know if you caught that or not. I love it so much. <laughs> I I did. I did. I was like, oh, you guys definitely got to the scary part. I don't agree with the girl in the bathroom. It was not fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but they're like, they're clearly having like a fun slumber party kind of ordeal where they like wanted to rent a, a scary movie. These like two girls. Um and one is clearly like the the shy scaredy cat girl and one's like the the bat to the bones girl that's not not afraid of anything but like you were talking about you know she is because of her tight ponytail oh well yes if you have a high pony I mean, come on <laughs> you fear you fear no you fear no one <laughs> you will spit in god's face with your high pony <laughs> <laughs> but like you were mentioning before that like these girls are, you know, having a slumber party, so they're they have all kinds of food, and they're like, oh, maybe we went too hard, but it's like truly, their room looks like the like bitch you live like this kind of house, like it's just like covered with like <laughs> so great food and like beer and cigarettes too. I think like it's like, oh yeah, they're drinking a lot of beer, <laughs> like even to the point that like when the one girl, when the high pony girl goes to the bathroom. The other girl's like, well, that's what happens when you when you drink a lot of beer. <laughs> She's like, yep, you got it in one. <laughs> Always happens to me. But they're like these like sweet looking like 14, 15 year old girls talking about like as as if they do this all the time, like they're jaded and in their 30s or, you know, whatever. It's just very funny how this is set up, I think. Mm-hmm. It probably like it's it's not something I recognize as much, but I I think like thinking back to the way my sister like my sister was never like particularly like rebellious or anything, but even her and her friends so they would act like world weary at thirteen and stuff like that. Like I feel like that might be like a teen girl thing in some ways. I would guess. I have no idea if that's true. Uh, I don't know about world weary. Not like you know, like if if I was drinking at fourteen, it would be like. Oh yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna drink, we're gonna party, we're gonna you know like it's like a still a cool yeah. transgressive thing. Whereas like these girls are like, uh, just another night of knocking one too many back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's a fair point. I guess I thought they were like they're like they're in high school, I think, but they're um they yeah. they're definitely in school, but like they're not like bashful about anything they're doing. It's just like. God, they look fatigued by it. <laughs> they even sort of have like, um, like before all the uh, all the horror happens, like they even have like the sitcom dialogue going on where, <laughs> where they're sort of like the ones like, oh, we got to go see this mansion, and the other one says something like, no objection, major objection, <laughs> like, 
which maybe so maybe good. that's a subs issue. It's hard to know. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's a literal translation. <laughs> I, I can't believe anything. But that. Um, but yeah, so like high pony girl is like, well, that was kind of scary. But should we maybe like go to this haunted house? It's so freaking haunted. Like we just got to go to this house. <laughs> and the other girl's like, what the fuck? No, but. But, um, yeah, I just got back from vacation with my high school best friend and you can guess which one of the, which one of the friends in the duo I am very easily pushed around. (laughs) Oh, I was going to guess you were the high pony bad bitch. Oh no, not at all. Um, but everyone, everyone needs, uh, I had to guess that you're my, everyone needs a best friend that makes you go to haunted houses. I think. Mm, True. Yeah. Especially if you're really scared of it. Yeah. The so I mean that's a that's a well loved dynamic to to have the the good one and the bad one. Um, so they do go to this spooky Scooby Doo house. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in going to this, oh, well, I mean, like it's funny because like when they say like, oh, there's a haunted mansion, maybe we should go for it, like immediately anyone watching this is going to be like, well, they'll definitely go there. Like this does not, this does not play with your expectations in the same way as the first one. They immediately. Right. Like it's not even, there's no real question. Um, and they meet two friends there. Surprisingly. Yes. Um, a classic, Oh, there's someone behind you kind of thing, but it's, uh, actually just friends. We love when it's just friends. Uh, I think too that this has like a a Disney World haunted mansion kind of feel. That like the first spooky thing you really see is like this like elongated oil portrait kind of thing. That's kind of the classic like yes. Vincent Pricey uh, haunted mansion look. And like even even the stuff they have at the beginning, right when they're like uh, where they have like the dolls and then they're sort of opening their eyes or whatever. Like yeah, it's scary, but again, it's scary in a very sort of like classic Hollywood haunted mansion sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's not scary like the oh the the neck is opening up into a huge mouth that like carries your head behind it or something. It's very it's very, it's much more typical. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it feels like you know, house on a haunted hill thing where it's like, uh, just like a spooky, not horror aesthetic. Um, you know, that, mm-hmm. yeah. that old stuff is always just like a little bit creepy and it would be creepy just to look at these dolls. Like, I think that that would have been enough, honestly. Um, just cause everything looks a little bit weird already. Um, with like how bug eyed everything is. Um, Oh, sure. And, like, there's a way that the dolls, like, the way that the women are aesthetic, or the girls are aestheticized in this, that there is a similarity to the dolls, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's a way that they, like, you can mistake the doll for the girl for a half split second in a way that maybe in, like, you know, actual media you wouldn't at all. <laughs> right. That there's, like, a, a grotesqueness to everything. So it's, it's hard to know <laughs> where it starts and ends as intention. Right. Yes. Oh, and by actual media, I just mean like extreme representational media, like a photograph. I don't mean to say that this is an actual media. <laughs> it's very much like, as we pointed out, like there's a ton of choices going into this and all of them are great. Yeah. So there's, there's that. There's like just the, the set dressing of um, this like 
spooky, not horror house. Um, but turns out there may be <laughs> might be something going on at this house after all. There might be something going on at this house. Um, so I mean, basically, it's just that there is a there is a ghost. <laughs> there is a ghost of this mansion. And like, so like one of the things that always kind of got me about ghosts, right, or like confused me about ghosts was I was always thinking like, and it's literally sounds like dialogue from a movie that, that someone would say before a ghost hurt them. But like, my thought about ghosts was always like, well, how are they going to hurt me? They're like from another world. They're immaterial. Like, what is, what is the actual thing we fear about ghosts? And I couldn't ever quite figure it out. And like, in this case, this ghost is like way worse than that. Right. Like, they give you an instant reason to fear them. Right. So there's, you know, different types of ghosts, like ones that are just like memories in a house that just, um, go about their like daily routines as if they were still alive. And then there's like these vengeful ghosts, which is what we get in this house. Um, yeah. Ghost is not happy with these girls for coming. No. In. And I wouldn't be either. Um, they were not. Would you be this vengeful? <laughs> um, so the, I'm guessing anyone who didn't want to be spoiled would have, would have turned off. <laughs> at our, I don't think they were like. <laughs> we did the thing where we danced around the reveal for a little while. where someone was like you know what i don't care if i get this first one spoiled but but the second one if you spoil this one it's just gonna be too much for me if you spoil the second one which actually is doesn't have a lot of spoilers i'm gonna be so mad (laughs) do they go into the haunted mansion and everyone survives and it's like stand by me or uh is this a scary movie so the vengeful ghost uh psychically starts cutting all of their limbs off yeah (laughs) just just very cleanly (laughs) there's just like a suddenly a cut through a girl's arm and it just falls off like as if she was a doll and it was like being pulled out of socket right there there's that there's the kind of like uh extreme quick cut you see in like um I mean, like samurai movies have it, and I'm like, you, I mean, animation has it a lot, especially like so, sort of like Japanese animation has it a lot. And like this sort of like cut that's so fast and so clean and so quick that it that it cuts almost like without the person noticing it in a way. But yeah, there are these clean cuts, and they just kind of fall apart like dolls, You're mm-hmm. right? um, including a a girl uh, being beheaded, looking at you while she's being beheaded and then her head just like falls to nothing. And then of course one girl gets away out of, um, out of it all. And of course it was the good girl, the scaredy cat. Yeah. It was you. She, you yeah. Got I got away. She was ready to, she was ready to bolt and bolt. She did. Um, <laughs> <I'm out of here. laughs> so while her three friends are just like a pile of limbs in this house, she, she jets out of the house and then, um, the next day at school. Yeah. So was it all a dream? Was it all a dream? Did I just, I mean, she did have all those beers and cigarettes <laughs> and coffee uh, based candies. Oh, yeah. um, so those were cool. I liked those. Um, and then also like, you know, uh, she saw this scary movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that makes the, that makes the imagination run wild. Liv, I got to tell you. Probably one of my favorite moments in this whole film happens now where there's, um, this very creepy version of like dance of the sugar plum fairy plays. Um, and it's very like <laughs> chimey and it, they're at school and it is like 
the school bell, but like the Sugar Plum Fairy song and like it melts into like this like school scene where like the school bell is uh is what is chiming, which is very neat. That's beautiful. Yeah, I I actually didn't even like think enough about that, but you're absolutely right. Like it's it's a gorgeous sort of like and it's something that like we didn't talk about where like the music in this is actually and mm-hmm. the, the the sound direction in this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like I found I found like the the heightened like quality of the voices with like the there's like sparse instrumentation, but when it's there it's really impactful. And like the way that like, you know, sound effects are used to like not overly like there's not constant screaming and like a lot of times there's just like silence the both both shorts i think are like wonderfully uh directed mm-hmm. that way. yeah it, it is definitely very effective like what is being done with with the music and very tastefully done this whole thing it's is true. surprisingly extremely tasteful in the choices that it's that it's made i mean considering considering how gory both shorts end up being yeah totally tasteful and like which is what's so surprising like and like in 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 talking about like yes of course there's eroticism in this but it's not eroticism that is based upon like eroticizing the dead body necessarily Mm -hmm. which i I think is what happens in a lot of horror and and you know i should say like not it's not meant to be said in like and and shame on horror for that like sure there are elements of that that could be done very badly but there's also just as many elements that could be done quite effectively um but that's not what these are interested in at all. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll definitely need to talk about this more. But there's barely anything left of the story. So let's just finish this off. Yeah, let's finish it up. So- <laughs> Knock it out first. <laughs> so like after that beautiful school scene, um, she sees her friends at school. They, like It turns out they were okay all along. And it was just a bad dream. Aren't you guys chopped up into a bunch of limbs? (laughs) Until she realizes they have scars on their body in the exact places where the vengeful ghost cut them. And the girls... It's not good. But I think what's interesting here is that the girls are like, they don't know anything's up. They like look at it and they're like, oh yeah, that scar's so weird. It just showed up this morning. Like They don't know either. But the other girl was just like fleeing in terror. awareness of the body in the previous one where like even like the tiniest blemish is like, oh no, vampire got me. These girls are like, I never saw them. I don't know, whatever. You know, it's it's super strange that uh, I suddenly have a cut all the way around my neck and, you know, my friends do too, but... <laughs> I guess it's just cool think about it. We're sisters. <laughs> que sera, sera. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was uh, two beautiful shorts about uh, being a teenage girl. And I... Wait, don't they go back to, don't they go back to the mansion? Did they go back to the mansion? Pretty sure. What what happens at the? I remember the our our friend who the Sandman introducing who introduced it to us also has an outro where he is simply just a head now on a playground swing. Very ex- <laughs> extraordinarily good good move on their part. Um, oh yeah, I guess like I guess they go and like they go back and like find a body and then I'll get cut to ribbons again. Um, let's see. She's reaching down. Who is that? I forgot what happened at the end. Actually, let's see. They flip. They flip the dead body over and find that the dead body is. Oh, oh, good reveal. The dead body is the good girl. Mm. 
She finds her own dead body. Oh, again. Okay, yeah. The the um. Oh, and then she's actually the vengeful ghost and kills them all. Um, now, how did I black great... this out? I truly, well, <laughs> I truly watched this. Oh yesterday. yeah, all their all their scars open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I like so much about that that conclusion, I'm glad I I'm glad I did the awkward thing and rewatched it. We both blacked it out. <laughs> but like, what I think is so cool about that and like such a a, a nice unifying element to that, right? Is um is that like the the quality of the girl like revealing something and in that revelation not showing us anything but showing herself something mm-hmm. when it's like like oh that thing is me and like the the heart the, like, the sort of self-realization and the fact that that's terrifying being a callback to the previous story which is like well it's, it's less scary to find out what happened to my friends and more scary to find out that what happened to me which is a nice sort of like reframing of um horror motifs i think mm-hmm. it, it is interesting too that they end up kind of having the same twist but like even whenever in the first one you know that there's going to be a reveal of what's on the videotape it doesn't feel like the whole thing is just like building up for a twist and i don't know if that's um you know because you know that it's only gonna be 20 minutes long that you don't aren't just like well uh, this is a 90 minute movie and i have to wait around for 80 minutes to you know to see what the reveal is gonna be um right i don't know if it's that that you let yourself like sink into just like what's going on moment by moment um but i never felt especially in the second one like i was like expecting to get something revealed uh I don't know. You know, I think one of the reasons that that ending was kind of forgettable in, instead of being like, and it, it, it's a good ending. Like the reason that we forgot it is what I mean. Not that mm-hmm. it was like badly done, but like is because the, the second one is so much more of a genre piece. Like it's, it's a much more like, you know, haunted house girls go in uh, one escapes. Was it all a dream? Oh no. My friends have scars around their necks and arms and legs. Like maybe it wasn't a dream. It, it feels, it feels more like a genre piece, mm-hmm. which isn't to say it's worse. It just, it's kind of what it is. And like the genre twist at the end of those things is almost always like, Oh yeah, guess what? I'm a ghost. Like, <laughs> so it, it just, it just almost feels like they kind of put that in and be like, yeah, okay, we got that in there too. Um, in the same way that like the twist doesn't feel like it's coming in the first one. Cause it feels like a much less, genre influence story well you feel like um, you know the genre story that it is so whenever it's a mm, different thing you do kind of have that like oh <laughs> it's not just a vampire trying to get in the window like um it's not like a, a bride of dracula or, or whatever um, <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah yeah i guess it's like it's, it's it's a little like um it kind of plays with with genre in the same way that something like scream does but uh I think in, in a way that in a way that's sort of like in one way smarter than Scream. I, I like Scream. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to say it's bad, but like um, I think the one thing it does that's smarter than Scream is like you you know from the beginning like okay this girl knows the rules of vampires mm-hmm. and then like it also says like and that is uh, totally fictional. No one believe no one should believe in vampires. They're not real. But what this girl is is real, and no one knows the rules of that. And like that's a really that like threw me off and that'll that'll that like made me really surprised and like in a way I did not see coming from like even just from like a narrative and like story structuring perspective. Um, like I can't think of a twist like that too often in, in mainstream horror and I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think too like I was thinking whenever you mentioned Blair Witch earlier um, that the intro to th- this film also has like a similar thing going for it where it's almost like a call to action like the mm-hmm. the host is like 
I bet you've had weird stuff happen to you before. I bet you, I bet you know people like this. I bet you've seen weird stuff, huh? And like making, (laughs) making it about you. Like there's so much in this that feels so confronting that you have this like host talking to you and that these girls are always just like screaming in terror, looking back at you. Um, Mm. I do think that this is something that, that benefits from sitting as close to the screen as possible. You know, you should have a Saturday morning cartoon kind of, um, you know, closeness to the screen. There's a way in which like watching this on a phone almost would like be in like a really dark room would be interesting, but I think big TV in a dark room would be much better. Um, I think like the the really good point you make about like the 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 girls in this all looking at you and like essentially sort of like trying to speak to you because it goes back to what you said about the videotape, which is like, you know, the videotape operates in this the way it does in later stuff. And it operates differently than it does sort of like a cursed photograph or text or something like that or painting for that matter. Um, That like, in fact, like what the girl is afraid of in watching the videotape in the first sketch is also what's happening to us where like, we not only do we see like something that terrifies us, but it's also like we see something that is impossible to describe or like something you can't describe to people or, or shouldn't, mm-hmm. which is to say that monster that she becomes, which is just like grotesque in a way that it becomes difficult or unacceptable to describe. And like, I think the, the film playing with like what it means to look out exactly at the audience, like it's, it's honestly like, I feel like this um, would get, like one of the letterbox reviews was like, I don't have a high tolerance for anime. <laughs> so I, I did not expect to enjoy this. And I was like, Oh, it's like, it's pretty rough. Like this is, it's like, yes, it's an animated feature, but like the, the, the choices it makes about like, um, you know, direction, particularly with the camera, uh, and, and like the gaze of the camera is like, it's, it's pretty, um, I don't know how to say it. Like, I guess like it's, it's just pretty um, gripping. Like it's, it's its own thing and and asking questions that I don't have very good answers to because I haven't been posed those questions that much before by cinema. Mm -hmm. I, I both think it's hilarious that um, someone is watching something that they're thinking that they will not even be able to tolerate, which is very interesting, (laughs) but you know, like maybe I'll go see Dune too. I don't know. Um, You don't think you're going to be able to tolerate. (laughs) You famously love Dune. It's your favorite book. (laughs) You're always talking about how much it was so great to go on Podside and talk about Dune. It's always great to go on Podside um, and talk about anything. Oh, yes. The actual. Wow. Even Dune. Yeah. No, no, no. I love talking about Dune. I just uh, don't think it's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this is going to be a free episode because people need to hear this. Uh. Um, but what I was going to say is I love too what the the first one is suggesting about um, about like the act of videoing that like there's something that's fallible to memory or a short or static image um, that that can not be mistaken on video. That's like that, that Mm -hmm. video is somehow more real because I feel like it's then like suggesting something about like the act of watching a movie um, where she's, where it's like, we get to see bits of what's happening at night, but we're, we're mistaking it for something else. If only we were able to watch the full video, then we would understand um, that you're not going to be able to um, honestly understand what's going on uh, with just like a, 
a shortened image because uh, I mean, like, because that is one of her memories, but it's just twisted um, in the way that we can, we can change memories. So I think that's interesting too. what it's saying about, about video and uh, maybe, maybe about what it's expecting to come um, of the future of horror. Hmm. That's lovely. I feel like I could, I could talk about this all night, but I also think that that is a wonderful uh, kind of, kind of ending moment. Um, I would, I would tell people go watch this like uh curse of uh, Kazuo Umezu uh, English subs. Just, uh, just hit it. Like it's, it's, it's very good. Yeah. Or just learn Japanese and then you don't have to watch it subbed at all. Mm, uh, you know what? It's subbed <laughs> and uh, freely available, but you know what? I far be it for me to, to tell you not to work on yourself. Uh, this you go like yeah this episode brought to you by duolingo the official sponsor of no cartridge driving oh, no. <laughs> duolingo is so mad at me i'm so bad at it um but yes i i loved this one and honestly more than i, I expected like i'd um watched maybe like the first like two minutes whenever i was like hey we should do this one for halloween um I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be fun. I did not expect it would be this good. I, yeah. I also knew that it was 45 minutes long, which is a very appealing length of film to me. I think more things uh, should should feel confident in being 45 minutes long. Tell us the story that you have to tell us and then get out. Well, and I think what's cool about this one being 45 minutes long is like it leaves you with so many sort of like questions and suppositions too, which is like, you know, when we talk about the video and then we say the second one's a genre piece, like – Oh, does that mean like that's a commentary on the first mm-hmm. one, or the second one is a commentary? Like, is a, is part of like that first one's commentary? And it's like the film doesn't have any answers for you because it's forty five minutes long and has presented you with the questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I think that's there's something so confident about that to be like, yeah, I have some issues to raise, uh, and then raise the issues that then get out. And be like, all right, audience, now you get to muddle through mm-hmm. this. I don't know if it's just because it has like that host intro and outro, but it, it really does feel like a movie despite being two mm-hmm. shorts. Yeah. It feels, it feels a little bit like, um, uh, I mean, horror anthology is one of my favorite genres because anthology is one of my favorite things. Like I think short stories that are, that are presented this way are so evocative and like you get that with stuff like creep show, um, or even like, you know, I mean, I guess like the obvious one would be tales of the crypt. Uh, or Tales from the Crypt, like that, that kind of genre of film and television show, like, I feel like always feels a little bit like a movie, even when it's a TV show, because again, you're absolutely right. Cause that intro and outro sort of like, ladies and gentlemen, we are presenting ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your uh, appreciation kind of, uh, it, you know, bookend. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, polite and it, it likes to be, um, a presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our friend the uh, the Sandman Ghost is, uh, is <laughs> just being ahead is, is quite kind. Our, our host Robert Smith of the Cure loves, <laughs> that, I mean, loves introducing us. That is what he looked like. But every time I think back to what he looked like, I always think it's like uh, what's his name, like the Shinigami from Death Note. <laughs> like he just oh like... yeah, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, now I like it less. Uh, <laughs> no, no I, he's definitely um, more more Robert Smith. 
<laughs> but I'm just like, was that who it was? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the Death Note ghost. Yeah, it, it should have got me from Death Note. It, that, it, this is this is the first Death Note episode. We should just say that so more people watch. It. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that you weren't doing that on No Wall Scroll. I thought that was what people uh, were clamoring for. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I actually got. I actually like that was one of the the few things that uh, that Piss told me that I might uh, upset the audience when I said I didn't really like. I couldn't really get on board with Death Note. <laughs> I wasn't really all that into mm. it. I found it kind of like I didn't like light. Uh, that character just bummed me out. Like it's very uncreative. Mm. Not uncreative of the of the artist, but just like I found him that character uncreative. I know that's like a weak way to approach media, but just wasn't. Like, no. Yeah, I'm glad we've dragged Dune and Death Note, two things that have famously no fans. <laughs> Yeah, and two things we both famously love uh, <laughs> as their only fans. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Liv, thank you for doing. Thank you for bringing this one to my attention. I am, uh, I am very grateful. It is something that will stay with me. I, uh, I really like it. I think it's, it's, it's re-energized me to go read uh, Floating Classroom as well, which has actually, I will say, uh, for anyone curious, has a, a wonderfully. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can also find it online for very legal ways, um, but it also has a wonderful anthologized version if you are uh, looking to purchase some books for yourself around the holiday season. Yes, but you might want to look it up under the name The Drifting Classroom if you're hoping to, to find the, the oh, thing God. we are talking yeah. about. Well, listen, <laughs> you might find it. <laughs> you probably find me talking about it. It's like six results, and it's all me like tweeting, this, this wandering classroom thing's really cool. Like, Oh, anyone read the Lost Classroom yet? <laughs> Super good. <laughs> yeah, fam- yeah. My 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 famous ability to remember titles uh, continues on unabated. Well, Liv, uh, people can follow you at AV Club. Is that correct? Yeah, you That's can. Uh, you, you can follow me at AV Club on Twitter. AV Watches on Letterbox if you really feel like it. Um, you and AV Reads on YouTube if you are so inclined. All wonderful places. I, honestly, if you if you bring a little live content to your life, I feel you'll be better for it. And uh, you know about this podcast because you're listening to it. But I'm Hagelbun on Twitter, and uh, also uh, you can check the Patreon that has, gosh, all sorts of stuff on it recently. Um, so that's Patreon.com/slash No Cartridge. And oh yeah, buy you can buy my book that's coming out on the fifteenth. It's called Story Mode. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, go do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't wait to um, unearth a new film from the Crips for what I'm now saying is going to be a series on No Cartridge. <laughs> oh, I, it's too fun not to be a series, honestly. <laughs> and it's something we. It's great. No, it's gonna be. It's gonna be great. All right, Liv. I can't wait for the next one. All right. See you soon. All right. See ya. Bye.